welcome everyone back to the Last Word on Sense podcast, episode 53. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, and today it is just me going alone. Uh, it's been a while since I recorded a podcast, a full month actually. Uh, I'm just looking, December 2nd was the last time I posted. Uh, this is not what I planned and not what I wanted, considering December has been a pretty busy month. Um, but with the holiday season uh, coming around, it just I, I was super busy over the month of December, as I'm sure a bunch of other people were, and, and that made it tough to get a guest. I tried asking a couple people, and the dates just didn't work out. So definitely got a couple exciting things planned for uh, this new year, 2023. And I just want to start off by saying happy holidays to everyone, and I hope everyone had a good uh, good holidays, no matter what you celebrate, and, and a safe and, and happy new year as well as we turn the page 2023. I uh, quickly want to say thank you for such an awesome 2022 as well. Um, you know, we, um, the podcast, I, I felt like was better this year, you know, trying to keep it consistent. Uh, definitely consistency is something that I want to try and keep hitting on. Um, but you know, over the, uh, 2022 season, I'm just looking back now and, uh, you know, we, we posted, I think 20 episodes with, uh, probably 20 different guests, uh, or, you know, close to it. Um, lots of awesome names on there and I look forward to, to having an even better 2023. Um, as to the Ottawa Senators, uh, let's get into it. Um, there's been, again, a lot of news since I uh, last recorded. As as of recording right now, it is Wednesday, January 4th at about 1.40 p.m. I'm getting ready to watch the World Junior Semifinals at 2.30. Um, but um, the Ottawa Senators are 18-17-3. They're above 500, uh, NHL 500. Um, for the first time in a little while, uh, they're obviously 18 and 20 in terms of win loss, but you know the loser points are in there. So um, you know they, they are ahead of the Florida Panthers in the standings. Which if you would have told me in 2023, January 4th, the Ottawa Senators were ahead of the Florida Panthers, I would have been ecstatic. Um, little did I know that it would be tied for or just one point ahead for third last in their division. The Red Wings are tied with the Senators, but have three more or three less games played. Uh, the Sabres are only one point ahead of the Sabre, uh, Senators, but also have two less games played as well. Um, so points percentage is a little bit different. The Senators, they've been pretty good recently. They're 6-3-1 in their last 10. The Sabres are 7-2-1. They've been really uh, hot. And uh, the Red Wings are 3-5-2. So, um, you know, the, the bigger thing, I think, for Ottawa right now is, uh, yep, they're, they're close, like, you know, a couple hot games, and they're ahead of the Sabres and Red Wings, which is really nice. But um, they are still outside of a playoff spot by about seven points. And so it's, it's one of those, and there's there's some tough teams to jump to. Like the, the Penguins are outside the playoffs right now, which is, you know, not something I would have ever pictured. So there's definitely a long run to go here yet. But um, um, yeah, it's been up and down, I would say. Uh, you know, we'll, I don't, I'm not going to really analyze any games in any detail, but um, you know, there came off of a 4 nothing win against Columbus Blue Jackets. I didn't get to watch that last night, but it looked pretty dominant. Uh, and that's good because that's a game you have to dominate, um, tr- quite truthfully. Um, there's just no, like, the, the Columbus is not a good team this year. They're rebuilding. Those are the teams you need to take two points against. They took a massive two points against Buffalo on Sunday on the second game of a back-to-back, which is a really impressive effort. And they, they blew a game, honestly, against Detroit, which they had a 2 nothing lead on, on New Year's Eve. And again, I didn't get to watch that game. I was out with some friends, and we were watching the Canada game. But um, I, I from, you know, they, they seemed to have it in hand, and they kind of blew it. But um, you know, previous to that, they had beat the Capitals in overtime. They beat the Bruins in overtime. They're two and zero against the Bruins this year, which is absolutely hilarious. That you know, the Bruins only have eight losses, and two of them are to the Ottawa Senators. Um, I, I don't know. I think it is still true, actually. The Bruins have more losses in Ontario this year than they do actually Boston. Uh, which is crazy to think about. The Leafs also beat them in Ontario once this year. Um, 
Yeah, and so just going back kind of before you know, the last time recorded, uh, they lost to the Capitals in overtime and then, you know, lost to the Jets on a bit of a stinker, uh, 5-1 and the Wild 4-2. That, that was a not great stretch. They, they've they been very up and down because they, they then won four in a row, including the Red Wings, uh, Habs, Ducks, and Predators. Again, probably three or four teams. Like, the Red Wings are always going to be a bit of a toss-up. But, you know, the, the Predators, Ducks, and Habs are all teams that, you, again, you need to kind of be taking points from here. Uh, and then we're getting back to their Western road trip, which is where I, um, or sorry, not Western road trip. They had a couple West teams visit them. Um, so last time we would have recorded was December second. Um, they had they had played game one against the Rangers and lost three one. They came back out, beat the Rangers three two, beat the Sharks five two, beat the lost to the Kings five two, lost to the Stars four three. So it's been a really up and down December. You know, they they've won four in a row. They they've lost a couple in a row. I would say overall lean more positive than negative, but at the same time. It, there's definitely still been some frustrating aspects, I would say, of this team where it feels like they're either they don't play well enough to get stuff done or they're playing really well and the goaltending lets them down. I'm not going to uh, point the goaltending specifically because I do think both Talbot and Forsberg have played solid this year, but it's just been uh, games here or there where it's like, oh, man, they really could have just used a save. Um, but that's the nice thing about having a, a 1A, 1B. And you know, we've talked about it already this uh, multiple times on this podcast this year. But Forsberg's at a 914, uh, and he has been the quote-unquote backup recently. Cam Talbot was the hot hand for uh, part of December, and he's up to a 911 save percentage as well. So, you know, I, I think if you told fans at the beginning of the year you're going to get 912, 913-ish save percentage, uh, they would absolutely be okay with that. And I think it is... Um, you know, something that is at least encouraging to see. Uh, and um, again, the nice thing about having two guys that you can trust in the net is that when one f- uh, slips up and, you know, maybe costs you a game, you can throw the other guy in there for a couple games. And, and that seems to be what's happening. So, um, yeah, just their overall play so far has been, it's been fine. Like, they, uh, they're they actually off for a couple days now. They don't play until Saturday, January 7th against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, and then they play the 9th, the 12th. Uh, the 14th, they're going on a Western road trip soon. They're playing the Kraken and the Predators at home. Uh, again, you need to take two of four points there. Um, if possible, three or four of four would be awesome. Uh, and then they go to the Coyotes, the Avalanche, the Blues uh, on a three-game trip. The Coyotes, you need to take two points from. The Avalanche, going to be a tough task, but they're very hurt right now. And same with the Blues. They Blues just put some guys on IR. So, you know, looking at the next four or five games or so, you know, out of the ten points... If you could take seven, I think you see, like they need it. It's a big ask, but the Senators need to start taking you know more than just five or six points out of ten game streaks. You know you really need to get to a streak here where you're taking eight or nine out of multiple ten game streaks. And and again, that's a long long thing to ask for. But you know if this team wants to be truly you know getting closer to competitive, that's what they they, they need to do. You know just to even uh, get over the Sabers and Red Wings because as, as I mentioned, like the Sens won four in a row and are six three and one in their last ten. And they haven't made up any. They've lost ground against the uh, Buffalo Sabers in their last ten. So um, you know it's there's lots of tough teams in the division, and it's going to be interesting to see how this uh, Senators team keeps on fighting. Um, it's been an interesting month to say the least. There's a lot of storylines right now, and and one of the ones that you know happened a little while ago, but I need, definitely need to talk about. Huge news here: um, Artem Zub signed an extension. I don't believe that had came in last time that we had. Uh, 
recorded. I'm just taking a quick look. No, I, I don't think it had. Um, so yeah, Artem Zub signs an extension, which is absolutely awesome to see. Uh, he signs a four-year deal at $4.6 million per year that kicks in next year when he's 28 years old. Um, I love this deal. I, I really, I think this is a tidy piece of work by Pierre Dorian. Um, I don't think it's like a a slam dunk steal or anything like that, but I think it's fair value for both Zub and, and the team. Um, you know, I think Zub's a, a solid number two defenseman. I think he can be a perfect partner for Thomas Shabbat. Or if you'd rather, you know, someone play with Jake Sanderson, Jake Sanderson's kind of showing that he can play with anyone. But if you want Jake Sanderson, you know, play defensive style minutes and just be that minute eater in his own end, I think Artem Zub would be the perfect guy to, to play alongside him. And then he gives someone else to let Thomas Shabbat just absolutely eat offensively. And then, you know, you have an Eric Branstrom type on your third pair with like, Nick Holden, you find someone else, maybe the Nick Holden for next year. But, um, yeah, I, I'm really liking the, the extension. I think it's a tidy piece of work. I, I There was a couple people outside of the Ottawa market that were like, well, this team hasn't won anything, and they're locking down their core. It's like, well, yeah, but they're locking down the good pieces of their core. You know, like, what what move out of these people would, would you disagree with is what my question always back was. And you never really got one other than, like, well, it hasn't really worked out. It's like, okay, but, like, that's not a good reason to just shed good players, and Artem Zub is a good player. So um, they definitely need to keep adding on the blue line. Uh, Chabot is their one. Uh, Sanderson is almost their one as well. You know, I, I think Sanderson's so unreal. I think you can almost pencil him into the one in the next coming years, which is crazy as to say that they're, they're going to be talented finally with two number one defensemen in Chabot and Sanderson. Uh, Zub is their three, which is, you know, again, an, a good place to be in because I think on a lot of teams he could be a two, but if he slips under your three, that's perfect. They just need an actual number four, and Travis Hamannick is not a number four. Uh, I'm sorry, he's just not, you know. Um, Eric Branch, I think he's a perfect five, and then... You know, whether it's Nick Holden, whether it's even Travis Hammond maybe is a six, but like just, you know, it's pretty easy to find anyone making about 900K to be your number six defenseman. Um, so they'll have to replace that going forward. But JBD, Lassie Thompson, I think either of those guys could be a number six very effectively um, and even have the potential for a four. But I think if they truly want to improve next year, it's much easier said than done. They got to find a guy to solidify that top four and be a number four guy who is actually a number four. And, um, Again, a lot easier said than done. I know it's easy for me to say that behind a podcast, Mike, but that's also why I'm not being paid, you know, lots and lots of money to be the GM of an NHL team. They they need to find a solution, and that's going to be the upgrade. But um, the good news is that they have the making of a solid decor for years to come here, uh, you know, for a couple years for sure, um, which is just super encouraging, uh, if you ask me. And uh, yeah, this is one of the contracts that in Ottawa, I didn't see anyone complaining about, rightfully so. And even outside of Ottawa, I think most people are like, yeah, this seems like fair value. And I think that's a great way to analyze the Zoo contract. You know, the, the term is perfect, too. I would have been worried going six years with him, even five. Um, but, you know, a four-year deal takes him till he's about 31, 32. Um, that's, that's about perfect time that you can reevaluate and start doing shorter-term deals if he's still a very solid player. But you don't want to lock yourself into too much longer than that because that's when, the, you know, especially defensive defensemen, uh, defensemen sometimes start to fall off. So, um, no, I, I think a really tidy work by Dorian overall, and I'm very happy to see Zub sticking around in a Senator's jersey for a couple more years. And then speaking of defensemen, uh, a guy who now it sounds like is going to be on the way out again possibly is um, the one and only Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, he's currently on the injured reserve, so I'm not really sure how that's going to work. Um, an injured reserve that features Matthew Joseph, Tyler Mott, Josh Norris, by the way. Um, but... Yeah, there's a report going around earlier this week from Kevin Weeks, I believe it was, 
of ESPN that um, the Senators are looking to move a high draft pick or, you know, prospect along with uh, Nikita Zaitsev to get him off the books. And I I, I don't know. I, I My feelings go both ways. I, I think it's good to see that they are willing to move him and still want to move him. I've seen people saying move a first-round pick. I think they should need to do that. I, I think moving a first-round pick... You know, maybe if it's top 10 lottery protected, sure. But, like, I would much rather keep them 2023 round, first round pick. And, you know, if you can move a guy like JBD or move a guy like Tyler Boucher to get... Or even, you know, if it's a second... Like, I just don't think a year and a half of Zaitsev contract is worth moving a first round pick. Especially in a 2023 draft that's supposed to be absolutely loaded. And I would just be a little hesitant to move a first-round pick for one year. Like, it's basically one year of the contract. And I know teams are going to have to get it under their book right now, but, like, that's why I just, I, I don't, I'm curious to see if anything happens with this because teams that could take his cap hit right now, I think, are about five, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago, Anaheim, Buffalo, Arizona. So Minnesota's not taking it because that's not going to help them. They're, they're trying to be good when, you know, compete. They're not going to do that. Detroit, Detroit's in the same vein as Ottawa. I don't really see why they would do that unless they feel they need another game breaker, which I don't disagree with, but I just can't see them doing it. Chicago, I think, is a really good fit. Honestly, I I could see, you know, Chicago, they obviously in that brutal Seth Jones pick, they gave up, you know, multiple top 10 picks. Uh, it really hurt. They already have a conditional first this year, uh, and I believe a conditional first next year, although that might be the same Tampa pick. They have two seconds this year, two thirds this year, Two seconds next year, two-thirds next year, two-fifths next year. You know, it's very obvious that their motto is they're trying to stock up on picks. Uh, funny enough, they already have the Ottawa uh, pick for the next year in the second round for Debrinket. So, obviously, Ottawa doesn't have that available to them to move. Um, but I would be, you know, very comfortable. I could see a fit where I don't know if it's a prospect that, that Chicago likes. Maybe you look at giving that up if you're Ottawa or, you know, just a pick. Um, it's a... Third round pick, obviously, that was trade away for Dabrinkit as well. I, I should mention, not a, I believe I just said a second. Um, but yeah, Ottawa doesn't have their third for this year or next year. Uh, the Matt Murray deal, they also sent a third in, which I uh, kind of forgot about, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with um, Zaitsev. But if you can give up, they have two seconds next year. They have the cap second um, from the Connor Brown trade. If you can give up a second-round pick to move Zaitsev deal, I, I think you really should look at that. And I think that would be um, well something well worth doing. Um, again, it's just it's one of those things where it's not ideal, but also I think this summer you could use the $4.5 million if it comes to a first-round pick. And even it's like if, you, if they feel they're better just sending him to the AHL for another year instead of spending a second-round pick, I'm not going to be that angry about it. Um, I saw, I believe it was, uh, let me just try and pull it up quick. I saw a trade proposal um, the other day that was one to Arizona, which is another team that has uh, uh, the cap space to make this work. You know, so Anaheim, Buffalo, Arizona. Buffalo, again, kind of in the Detroit-Ottawa range where I don't really see, they have so much cap space, maybe they could want to make it work, but I, I just don't really see Buffalo doing it. But Anaheim, Arizona are not two other teams I think should absolutely be all in on trying to get an asset for, you know, Nikita Zaitsev, play him for a year and dump him. Um, so, you know, either of those teams. I did see, I can't remember who had the trade proposal. It, um, um, just trying to find it quick as I go. 
I believe it was Mike Gold on Twitter, uh, you know, writer for the Daily Faceoff. Uh, I can't remember if he's been on this podcast. No, I, I someone I definitely want to have on the podcast in a little bit. But um, you know, his, his trade proposal was something along the lines of uh, to the Arizona Coyotes. It was Nikita Zaitsev and Tyler Boucher, and then and maybe a pick the other way or with a pick, and then Dyson Mayo would come the other way, who's uh, a pretty solid you know depth defenseman for for Arizona. So Ottawa will be getting some defensive help and depth for Ottawa, um, but they would also be moving out of that pick, and obviously it'd be Tyler Boucher. I don't know what Tyler Boucher's value is around the league. Um, if you can use him to move off of, here it is, sorry. Uh, let's start out the year with a crazy trade proposal. Two Arizona, Nikita Zaitsev, two by 4.5, uh, Tyler Boucher, two Ottawa, Dyson Mayo, three times 0.9, like 950K. I think this would be an absolute steal for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I just, like, I, I, I would do this in such a heartbeat. I, I can't, I, I don't think Arizona would do it. I think there would probably need to be a pick involved, but even if you could get like a fourth round pick or a fourth and a sixth or something included in there, I don't know. I, I would look at it if I was Ottawa. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll be on the board, but if they could swing that kind of deal and use Tyler Boucher as an, an asset to move off of Nikita Zaitsev, I'd be totally okay with it. Uh, Boucher is having a, a solid world junior so far. Um, he's fitting in really well, and you know I've already started to see the hype switch back the other way. <laughs> Of, you know, this guy could fit in the third line. And, you know, maybe he can. I don't know. But it's the common thing I, I always try to tell people is the World Juniors is an eight-game sample where, honestly, four to five of the games you were playing countries that have no business, not no business being in the tournament, but no business hanging around with, you know, the teams like the States and, and Canada, right? Where, like, again, God bless Germany. The, the, the Tim Stutzel years were a lot of fun. Uh, this German team just wasn't near as good this year. You know, they, they hung in with the Sweden team for one game and then got absolutely blown out in every other game. Same with, you know, Latvia looked like a decent team. Uh, Austria did not deserve to be there. Again, that's an aggressive way to put it. Austria was not a very good team. Uh, Very clearly got outclassed by everyone at the tournament. Um, You know, so it's just one of those things where it's like you're playing, a lot of the times these guys are playing three or four teams that just, even if it's a close game, you know, are they should be better and beating. You know, you should expect them to be beating is basically what I'm trying to get at. Um, obviously there's exceptions where it's like the Connor Bedard show has just absolutely been insane. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I just, I think if I'm the senators, I'm looking at a prospect like Tyler Boucher, he kind of reminds me a lot of the Shane Bowers pick from a couple years ago. And if anyone doesn't know, Bowers was, I want to say 30, 30th overall. He was either late first or very early second. Uh, they moved him in the deal in to get Matt Duchesne and, uh, you know, he kind of felt like a throw-in piece there, obviously, given how big that deal was. And he ended up being basically just a throw-in because, you know, Sam Gerrard was a massive piece in that deal. Obviously, Bowen Byram, who can't stay healthy, unfortunately. But those are the two main pieces. Shane Bowers never really ended up doing anything. And I don't even know if he's in Colorado's system anymore. So, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying Tyler Boucher is Shane Bowers, but... It's just one of that's an example I can think of where it's like I, I know people were a little hesitant at the time, but they were happy enough to get Matt Duchesne. I would be okay moving him, um, you know, if it means getting Zaitsev off the books. But I'm also curious to know why they're doing it right now. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do. You know, I saw a couple of people saying does a Debrinket extension in the works. I don't really think it has anything to do with that. But you know, I, I do kind of wonder if it's taking the coach's toys away because you know Zaitsev been in the lineup again and he's looked better, a little better than. Than in past years, um, so far this season, but it's just such a low bar, and for four point five million dollars, 
you can just spend that money. You can spend the money better. It's as simple as it is. And, and even just like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times this year it's been, wow, he hasn't made nine glaring mistakes over the course of three games. He's been good. He's still been bad this year. He has all his RAPM numbers, his expected goals, they, they've been bad. They just haven't been quite as bad as maybe, you know, past years or as we look at him as. Um, so it's felt maybe a little better. But, yeah, he, he's still – he's been the Nikita Zaitsev we know and maybe don't love on the ice. Um, anyways, but so it would be interesting to keep an eye on that and see where that goes. Um I don't have a ton else to say in terms of this episode. I'm just looking at the timer. 20 minutes in of me just kind of ranting to myself here. Um, the, the team has been, again, the, the team has been playing well. Um, I just, they, they need to get healthy is, is basically the uh, um, biggest thing for the Ottawa Senators is, is health at this point. You know, they... Giroux has been awesome. Uh, Debrinket has stepped into his like the, we're seeing the real Debrinket now as well. I, I thought the whole he wasn't doing enough was a little silly, but oh my gosh, he has really turned it on. Him and Giroux have been perfect. Uh, Claude Giroux, I think, is already hands down in my opinion the best free agent signing the Senators have made. Um, just the culture aspect of it, he's been a great leader for this team. You know everything they've gone through. You know he was expecting to sign somewhere that was a. You know I, I think everyone expected him to take a bit more of a jump than they have this year. But his attitude is seemingly positive no matter what, and I think it's gone a long way to helping this team. Um, but yeah, that top line of Kachuk, Stutzla, and Giroux has looked awesome. Uh, Debrinket, Pinto, Batherson's been a fun line as well. Batherson's really heated up re- recently too. Um, and then it's just about getting health because right now their bottom six is Parker Kelly, Dylan Gambro, Jake Lu- Lucini, uh, Derek Broussard, Mark Kostelik, Austin Watson. I've really liked uh, Lucini's game. I haven't seen him a ton, but like I-, I think as you get healthy, I'd rather see him in the lineup over maybe a Kostelik and a Watson and a Broussard. Like, uh, to me... That whole fourth line doesn't need to be there. I'm, I'm fine giving Kostelik another option as well, but like, they they have four guys who probably don't need to be in a in a regular lineup right now, and and that's just gonna happen when you have you know Norris who looks like he might be coming back soon, which is super encouraging because that that'll push Pinto down and push Gambrella to lineup. But then um, you know you have uh, Mott and, and Matthew Joseph as well that are all out, basically, and it's just, it's hard to come back from that, you know, because you, you get a couple of those guys healthy, and then suddenly, as I mentioned, you have Pinto, uh, Gambrell's not in the lineup anymore, and then, you know, Parker Kelly's back to the fourth line if Mott's there, and that bumps Broussard out of the lineup, and then, um, you know, if, uh, um, I apologize, I'm blanking on who else is out, Matthew Joseph, sorry, if Matthew Joseph is out of the, back in the lineup, you know, either push Lucini down to where Watson is and push Watson out of the lineup, you know, maybe push Costellic out of the lineup, it's just, you know, everyone goes down and fits into a better spot, but, uh, you know, the biggest problem with this sense team and the injuries so far this year is, yeah, like, Norris has been a big one, and I know Norris alone shouldn't de- derail your season, I totally get that, but, like, it hasn't just been Norris. They've, they've missed a lot of their depth as well. Um, and, you know, obviously on the blue line, Zub's finally back, which has been awesome to see. He's been a stabilizing force there. Um, it's just one of those things where they've been playing with two fourth lines for a lot of the year, and I wouldn't say either fourth line has been particularly good in terms of uh, um, fourth lines that you would want to have on your team. So, um, yeah, no, there, there hasn't been a ton else I, I feel you need, we need to talk about. Um, uh, I don't think Brady Kachuk is taking heat, but it's definitely been noticed that he has been uh, quieter over the past week or two. Feels like he hasn't had those, you know, the classic Brady Kachuk moments. 
um, that he has maybe had in past years. But the dude's still over a point per game. I'm not really worried. He's got 39 points in 38 games. And, and I think some of, you know, I just, and this hasn't been outrage or anything. It's just been kind of people noticing that, you know, Kachuk hasn't been, you know, we've seen him just score a massive overtime goal or whatever in the past couple of years. And we haven't seen that recently. But I think part of that is just, honestly, we're seeing Debrinkit, we're seeing Giroux and even Batherson step up a little more. And that's why it, it's nice because we don't need to see him do it. Um, Tim Stutzler looks better and better every day. Uh, I'm, I'm really getting excited that, you know, they got him locked down this year to the contract that pays him 8.35. I know, also, you know, people, again, outside of Ottawa kind of looked at that and went, ooh, that's a, that's a lot of money. And obviously it was a bet. Um, but, like, he already, to me, is getting ready. He's taking that Jack Hughes jump. He's just not getting the public media love for it. His underlying numbers are really, really strong this year. Uh, and, obviously, the, the point totals are better than they have been at any point in his career. He's had 35 points in 34 games. You know, he's on pace to be hitting that 82-point mark. I think he's taking the Jack Hughes jump next year to, like, where he's in that superstar stratosphere. Um, and, and, honestly, like, Jack Hughes this year... Um, is at, uh, I'm just trying to pull up his um, his hockey DB here. Jack Hughes at 42 points in 37 games. He's not even, he's got 21 goals, 21 assists. Like, the goals have been super impressive uh, for Jack Hughes. You know, um, he's not even like outscoring Stutzla by that much, but I really do think that Stutzla's breakout to the national media is going to come really soon. He's been amazing. Um, yeah, like it's been hard to complain about a lot of the top guys. They, they have not been the issue um, and it's why it's it makes this team almost frustrating, that, you know, that they are where they are right now. Because if you told me at the beginning of the year that, you know, they were third last in their division, they were only a point out of fourth, you know, but they're still eight, seven or eight points out of a playoff spot in, in January. I'd be like, that's pretty disappointing. But, like, I don't know, maybe Giroux and Dabrinkit started slow, or maybe the goaltending just didn't click. The goaltending's been fine. Um, you know, hasn't been awesome, hasn't been bad by any means. It's just been fine. But all their star players have been good. It's like, oh, maybe Stutzel just hasn't quite taken the step. No, nope, he's taking the step uh, that we all thought he would. It's just kind of been injuries and, and a lack of depth that has hurt this team. And to me, that, that's got to be it's frustrating, but it's also a little encouraging because those are two of the easy... Well, obviously, injuries is an easy thing you can fix. You just have to hope for some regression in the positive way, you know, to, to fix it. But... Depth is something you should be able to go out and acquire efficiently and be able to fix, especially coming off season as well. So where where you are going to have, you know, they're not going to be um, massive players with cap space or anything, but they are going to have cap space to use, uh, you know, to go get guys that cost, you know, t- the Tyler Mott kind of contracts where it's like, go find a couple guys for cheap for a year that want to, you know, are on a prove it deal and make $1.25 million. And again, easier said than done, but like, Everyone makes a big deal about the Toronto Maple Leafs cap and, and how they allocated it. Well, one of the reasons, and obviously they haven't won a playoff round, but they've, they've been a dominant regular season team because they've been able to find guys like Michael Bunting at 900k for two years. Um, you know, where it's just like a very undervalued player on another team. Um, and you know, I, again, I really like the Tyler Mott contract for Ottawa. Like, if you can find a couple guys to pay 1.3 million dollars that are just, you know, maybe under the the radar guys, I think that is a um, a smart piece, a smart thing to do. You know, um, they're not going to have uh, a ton, a ton of cap space to work with, but they're going to have some. And, you know, if they, especially if they can get uh, Nikita Zaitsev off the books as well, that'll be huge. But, um, yeah, I think that's all for me. Uh, it's been a busy December. Again, I apologize for not putting out uh, an episode more regularly. Uh, definitely got a couple guests I want to get lined up, though, over the next couple of weeks here. Uh, I'm super excited uh, to do that. And, again, as I mentioned, I hope everyone's having a good start to their 2023. I look forward to this year uh, from a personal standpoint and just, you know, for everything as well. So 
Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sens and stuff. I've been, you know, daily trying to talk about the Sens. I'm always looking to talk about anything hockey as well. Um, so shoot me a message on there. Uh, you can follow the, the uh, podcast at Last Word on Sens on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on my other podcast, the MNM Hockey Podcast with Chase McCallum. Uh, Chase does is super smart guy. Does a ton of great work, and and we take about every just about everything we can think of around the league. Um, so yeah, you can check that podcast out wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, thank you everyone so much for listening. If there's anything you want to hear in the 2023, anything you want different, you know, any guests you want to hear, again, shoot me a message. You can check out all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Uh, I've posted a couple posts over the past couple weeks. I, I do rumors post and just kind of predictions post uh, here and there as well. But one of the things I want to get more into 2023 is more analysis again. I, I've really missed doing that, but that's something I'm going to try and get to as well. So you can find that at Last Word on Hockey or on my Twitter at NHL Sense and stuff. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. And I'll be back at you next week.